Okay, let's take a look at part of Psalm 25 together. I found this passage so uh, encouraging to me lately. I hope it will be to you. Lord, I appeal to you. David writes, My God, I trust in you. Do not let me be disgraced. Do not let my enemies gloat over me. No one who waits for you will be disgraced. Those who act treacherously without cause will be disgraced. Make your way known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love, for they have existed from antiquity. Don't remember the sins of my youth or my acts of rebellion in keeping with your faithful love. Remember me because of your goodness, Lord. The Lord is good and upright, therefore he shows sinners the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the Lord's ways show faithful love and truth to those who keep his covenant and decrees. Lord, for the sake of your name, forgive my iniquity, for it is immense. Who is the person who fears the Lord? He will show him the way that he should choose. He will live a good life and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him and he reveals his covenant to them. My eyes are always on the Lord for he will put my feet out, pull my feet out of the net. Heavenly Father, would you speak to us today would you speak to each person today and may this day as they hear your word in this part of your word, may it be perfectly timed for how you want to lead and encourage in their lives. I thank you that we can know that we can pray to you and that you hear and that we can have confidence in you. Through Christ I pray. Amen. Psalm 25 is a psalm written by David most likely when he is hemmed in and surrounded by trouble. He is on the run from Saul, the king who wants to kill him. This Saul has basically lost his mind. People have not are not supporting David the way that he they once did. He's not sure who he can trust anymore. Now, if you were in David's shoes here on the run from Saul, the king of the, the, your nation, and, you know, uh, it, it would be easy to get discouraged and, and to be in despair. In Psalm 25, we hear the thoughts of a man who is that man after God's own heart as he's going through some really troublesome times. What are his secret thoughts? That's Psalm 25. If I could summarize them in one word, in the middle of David's frustrations and running and suffering, I hear the word wait. What do you do in confusing times when you are suffering, when you are confused by what's going on and how God is acting and not acting? David says for those four words, wait for 
the Lord. Now, waiting for the Lord is not passivity, by the way. Um, waiting on the Lord, somebody has said, is more to be compared to like being a waiter at a restaurant. You aren't just sitting by passively doing nothing. You are waiting on the Lord. <laughs> it's like you're, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do next? You are seeking his word, his leadership, his ways. It's not passivity. You're not a victim at this moment. You're actively serving as God, as God, as you wait, listen to how David waits. First, I, the first thing he teaches us is, is when you're in those periods of frustration, appeal to God for his intervention. God wants to intervene. Verse one, Lord, I appeal to you. When was the last time you just prayed that prayer? Lord, I, I'm making this appeal to you. My God, I trust in you. Don't let me be disgraced. Don't let my enemies gloat over me. And then verse three, for no one who waits for you will be disgraced. David's confidence is in God. If he just holds God's hands and walks in obedience to him, no one who waits for you will be disgraced. Those who act treacherously without cause will be disgraced. In other words, those who don't walk in obedience to God, those who don't see God's face, they will be disgraced. But Lord, I will wait on you and seek your face. So the first action that we take in the midst of trouble ought to be to pray. Like James says in James 5, 13, is anybody suffering? He should pray. If anybody's cheerful, let him sing songs of praise. If anybody's sick, sick, he should call the elders of the church and have them pray over him. Is there a conflict at work? What's the first thing do you, that you do? Do you just panic or do you pray? Is there a conflict at home? Problems with the kids, threats of, of finances. What are the first, what's the first thing that you do? Do you ever find yourself at, at the beginning of a pressure-filled situation, in the middle of a conflict, of, 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 of a conversation that's a difficult conversation at work or, or somebody who's confronting you or whatever, and you just, in your mind, you just say, Lord, I appeal to you. Lord, what do you want me to say? Help me to hear what you want me to hear. Lord, give me your words. Lord, lead in this conversation. Are you stressed about how you're going to pay the bills? What's your first reaction when you feel that emotion? Is it self-preservation? Is it selfishness? Is it anger? Is it God help? God, I appeal to you. How do we pray? Pray like David prays. God, I appeal to you. I trust in you. Next step when waiting is look for God's leading. You're serving God. What's the first thing the server does? What's your order? Give me your order so I can work on your order. So you're making the appeal to God. God, I'm coming to you asking for direction. And now you're looking for his direction. Verse four, make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. See that word there again? I wait for you. In other words, Lord, I'm not going to... I am not going to lag behind you. I am not going to go before you. I will wait for you to give me your 
direction. The good news is God wants us to follow in his ways. The really good news is God has already given us abundant wisdom on how to follow his ways in his word. If you, you know, you want to know God's will, read the Bible, know the Bible, Um, listen to sermons, you know, um, and God has given us his son, Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. The problem with following God's ways is not that God has not made his ways clear most of the time. It's because we don't want to take his order. We don't want to listen clearly to what he has to say. You know, God says, go here. And we say, I don't really want to go. God says, you know, make liver and onions. And it's kind of, I don't want to make liver and onions. You know, I don't want to, I want to do every, I want to follow God's will as long as God's will agrees with my will. But if God's will doesn't agree with my will, if God's will can, makes me look different, if God's will makes me, cause me to sacrifice. Here's the question. Are we eager to know God's way? That's the question. The question is not, when you, Lord, make your way known to me. Teach me your paths. What really matters there is do we have the eagerness when he shows us his path to follow that path? To fully surrender in everything, every moment, every thought, every dime, every relationship, every priority, every dream, every opportunity. Do we say, Lord, it is fully yours and I will follow your ways. So be... So then look for his ways. The problem with our world today is not that God has not been clear enough in his ways so much as we just don't like his ways. But remember, for instance, how clear Jesus was when he talked about how to overcome anxiety. What did he say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. His bottom line to overcome anxiety, don't worry, put God first. Don't worry, put God first in every day, in every in the first day of the week. Put God first in your finances. Put God first in your finances. There's a great example. When the people of Israel would put God first, there would come blessing as a result of it because that's how reality works. But when they would not put God first in their tithes and offerings... The problem wasn't the tithes and offerings. It was the heart of disobedience. It was the heart of not following God in his ways. See, we put God's first and all of these other things fall into place. But we don't put God first and we get overcome by anxieties and troubles that follow. So Psalm 25 reminds us to seek God's ways and be ready to obey. See, what happens when we wait then is that we have to deal with sin. See how our sin gets exposed? When we start to talk, when we start to pray, God, show me your ways. God, lead me in your paths. The first thing that we start to see, if we're really honest, is our independent spirit. Is our inner rebelliousness that doesn't want to go God's ways. That's why, listen to what David, again, this is the man after God's own heart. The next thing David does is he has to deal with his own sin. Verse 6. 
Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love, for they have existed from antiquity. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my acts of rebellion. As soon as David starts getting serious about following God's ways, he's immediately confronted. He honestly begins to see his sinful desires that don't want to follow God's ways. And I love that prayer. Don't remember the sins of my youth. What comes to mind when you think about the sins of your youth? I think two things. First of all, the sins that I committed in my youth, you know, that just regret, sure wish I hadn't. Um, But then I think of the youthful sins I commit today. You know, it's kind of like, man, I thought I would be so much further along than I am spiritually. I just thought I would be so much more humble than I am. You know, I didn't, or I should say, I, I thought I wouldn't be so proud as I am, struggling with that pride. thought I would be less self-centered, but I just, I'm, I get, still just so easy to look at myself first. And so David says, in keeping with your faithful love, remember me. Because of your goodness, Lord, I find so comfort, so much comfort in, in praying to God. God, I confess to you my sins, and would you not, and would you deal with your sins according to your compassion, according to your faithful love? Because you are good, <laughs> remember me. You know, not as I deserve. Verse eight: The Lord is good and upright; therefore, He shows sinners the way. Isn't that good news? He shows sinners the way. That's good news because if he doesn't show sinners the way, then we're all in trouble. So here's the good news. Just because we're not perfect doesn't mean God won't show us the way. But the next characteristic is what really matters. Verse 9, he leads the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. So the thing is, we are all our sinners and God will say, this is the way that I want to go. And we may have initial desires that are to rebel or to not follow, to not learn. But humility says, not my will, but yours be done. That's the condition that matters. Repentance, the willingness to follow, even if reluctant. Verse 10, all the ways of the, uh, all the Lord's ways show faithful love and truth for those who keep his covenants and decrees for the sake of the Lord, uh, for the sake of your name, forgive my iniquity for it is immense. Doesn't that remind you of Psalm 23? He leads us, me down paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us down paths of righteousness, not just because of what he gets out of it, but he is personally invested in us going the right way because of his love for us, because of his desire for what is best for us. Yes, because he is honored and glorified when his creation honor him by, by being the creation he's created them to be. You know, just as a bird honors God by by singing and a flower honors God and brings God glory by being, by, 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 you know, um, by, by spreading its beauty. So we honor God by our obedience to him. But, but, but I want you to hear in that, this prayer, Lord, for the sake of your name, Lord, because you want your name to be great through me, 
forgive my iniquity, for it is immense. I love that honesty from David. That's humility. Do you believe that your sins are immense or just the sins of those other people? Verse four, while we wait, then be teachable. Learn what God is trying to teach you today. Verse 12, for who is the person who fears the Lord? He will show him the way he should choose. The Proverbs say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge, respect for God, that God is God, that God is good, that his order is right, that he knows. Therefore, be teachable because of a healthy respect of who God is. Verse 13, and he will live a good life and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him. You see, those who Learn from the Lord are those who honor him, who are teachable. It's kind of like in premarital counseling. Um, I, I can tell you the marriages that'll be healthiest. Um, people in premarital counseling who think they need it the least are the ones who are headed for trouble in their marriage. The people in premarital counseling who are the most teachable and eager to learn, those are the ones who are going to do well because there is that attitude of humility and teachability and, and along with uh, the reality, uh, understanding their own weakness that needs to be overcome. Um, so he will live a good life and his descendants will inherit the land. Verse 13, the secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him and he reveals his covenant to them. My eyes are always on the Lord for he will pull my feet out of the net. As you wait, what is God trying to teach you as you wait? Are your eyes on your problems or your eyes on God? Are your eyes on your enemies, on the nets that are catching you or are they on God? See, ungodly people whine and play the victim card when they go through difficult times. Godly people keep their eyes turned on God. They say, Lord, teach me your way. Lord, I appeal to you. Proverbs 20, verse 22 says, Don't repeat. Uh, do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. Isn't that good? See, we live in a time, it's a great illustration. We live in a generation where people don't get their own way. They get frustrated. And so what do they do? If they don't know God, they feel like they have to become activists to whine, to complain, to fight. Because, you know, nobody else is going to fight for you if you don't fight for you. But the proverb says, wait for the Lord and he will save you. How different from the attitude of our generation. Godly people say, I will not repay evil. I will wait for the Lord. I will look for his salvation. The future is up to God and he will save. <clears throat> Verse 16. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am alone and afflicted. 
The distress of my heart increases. Bring me out of my sufferings. Consider my affliction and trouble and forgive all my sins. It's like he's going back over some of these themes one more time. Consider my enemies. They are numerous. They hate me violently. Guard me and rescue me. Do not let me be disgraced for I take refuge in you. May integrity and what is right watch over me for I wait for you. God, redeem Israel from all its distress. So what you do as a result of Psalm 25 today, maybe you just need to read through. Would you spend some time reading through, praying through Psalm 25? What do you do when you have to wait for the Lord? Maybe you need to appeal for God to intervene in your situation as you wait. Maybe you need to be asking God for his next step. Lord, would you show me what to do next? Not five steps down, but what are your, what's your next step? Maybe you need to deal with your sin. Be honest about it. Maybe it's the sin that's keeping you from seeing God's next step. And, and God's trying to rescue you, but you're fighting him like a drowning person who's fighting the lifeguard who's trying to save you. You're fighting him. And you need to confess that sin and wait for the Lord. Obey. Maybe you need to be teachable. Be ready to obey. Trust in him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that is living and active. And we help us to wait on you. As David can't force Saul to stop pursuing him. Um, David can't change the time frame that'll when he'll finally become king on the throne. He can't he can't force it, can't make it happen any faster. Help us like David to learn what it means to actively wait on you in obedience. Through Christ I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us.